0: So we mentioned the Virginia Cavaliers and Virginia Tech Hokies fit that old Dennis Green description of, they are who we thought they were, the one that you hear so often in other sports soundbites to the point where we'll just give you our own version because why not wait for it? Um, but for Virginia, look, again, to their credit, Tony Elliott at least accepting ownership for the fact that this team did not play very well. The problem if you're a Virginia fan is you're rolling your eyes because you've heard quite a bit of this lately from Tony Elliott and the team as they have just two wins on the year. I just, I, it's on me. I did not do a great job of uh, having this uh, football team uh, prepared and ready to play uh, at a high level. Um, you know, thought the guys, uh you know, it's, it's kind of of football how momentums can swing and how uh, things in the game can, can change quickly. And uh, we weren't able to, to capture the momentum once it, uh, once it changed. Uh, for a little while, we were going back and forth, and uh, it was competitive football. And then, you know, we started making some critical mistakes, and, um, and then they found, some, you know, they found some, some answers and made some adjustments that we could not uh, adjust back to. Making adjustments that we could not adjust back to. From that to preparation – I mean, that that's as indicative of anything that the coaching staff is to blame to a large extent for this one for Virginia. Certainly, players, you got to get yourself mentally ready to play a game like this. But when you're talking about the lack of in-game adjustments, which was telling, and the fact that when Georgia Tech started running the football very well, particularly Jamal Haynes, who averaged seven yards a carry, and then you mix in some of Haynes' Kings running to offset the fact that he had a good day pa- passing. That is a real issue for a team like Virginia. And it's because the margin is as thin as it is. As we mentioned in the Miami game last week, as we mentioned in other spots, and frankly, it's the same thing for a team like Virginia Tech. When you have more talent, and you've got the schemes in place, and you've got the culture, you're not going to win every game, but it opens things up a lot more than it does for a team like Virginia or Virginia Tech. And that's really the big concern, as you sit there and you go, oh, well, we are not getting this part solved. Meanwhile, there's Virginia Tech, and they have a different set of worries, because things snowball afterwards, one of which is, as we mentioned earlier, the defense. They were not consistent on the defensive end, as Chris Marv mentioned in the Virginia Tech Radio Network postgame show that you heard on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.
1: We weren't consistent enough. Um, that starts with me. Um, we certainly can be better in that area. We've shown that we can be
0: better. We've shown that we can be consistent there. We just weren't tonight. We've shown that we can can be consistent, but we just weren't tonight. No doubt. I mean, you spot Louisville a 14-0 lead. And granted, there was a short field in there that aided that and helped Louisville. But again, you can't afford to do that. Because what have we mentioned so often of Virginia Tech and their struggles? Penalties and sloppy play. And Tyler Bowen mentioned afterwards that again another contributing factor that have led to a lot
2: of these issues i just thought there was some sloppiness you know the ball on the ground that yep. can't happen um you know just in general i'm not you know that's that's everybody involved of, of why it happened starting with myself but it was just some sloppiness some missed details here and there and I, we just stayed behind the sticks and that really was a story that bled in the third down you know, and including when we had some, you know, four down territory. Weren't able to get what we needed to be able to put us in a manageable situation where we're not, you know, in drop back pass pro um, the entire game.
0: Pass pro the entire game. Issues. Because you're putting yourself behind the eight ball for a team like Virginia Tech. And again, it's not that they can't overcome these things, but it's a thin margin with where they are right now as a program. And finding a way to toe that line has been an issue that we have to tackle right now in Part one of Covering the Commonwealth.
2: Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth. A look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokey, hokey, hokey high.
0: With Carter Hill from TechSideline.com making his debut with us today here in the fast lane carter for virginia tech we've said it all along the margin is rather thin particularly when they play teams that are bowl caliber and of virginia tech's five losses three of them are going to be going bowling rutgers earlier this year florida state obviously and louisville as well when virginia tech plays those teams how important is it that they don't make any mistakes or they at least minimize them because it snowballs real quickly against better teams
1: well, first off, I appreciate you having me on. I know David is busy covering women's hoops, so I'm glad I could take over and kind of take the reins from here. But yeah, you know, to your point, I think we've seen progress from Virginia Tech so far this season. And part of that progress has been they're able to beat the bad teams in the ACC, right? I mean, Pitt, Wake. Syracuse, Hughes, yes, the Orange started 4-0, but it's no secret they're not a very good football team. They've lost five in a row, and they're probably, I don't know if they're going to win another game. So, you know, I think Virginia Tech, like you said, they've made progress. They've taken a step up. but I don't know if they have to play perfect football, but I, I think it goes back to this past weekend. People talk about Virginia Tech had to go to Louisville, and I don't know if they necessarily had to play a perfect game, per se, to win the game. But at the same time, it just kind of shows you that Virginia Tech is not ready, per se, to compete for a spot in the ACC title game. And I think coming into last week, a portion of the fan base, because of that very small chance the Hokies were going to go to Charlotte and play in that game, they wanted to see them win the game, of course. But I don't think you could expect that. I think it kind of confirmed what we already knew, that Tech wasn't at that level yet, but still plenty to play for and a chance to get to six wins and get to a bowl game.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty well summed up. I mean, Tech is at a good year. If they beat teams they're supposed to that is a step in the right direction but getting to the level of a championship caliber team they are not there and a lot of folks maybe jump the gun on the home games but It's been proven out differently. Is it more home versus away with Virginia Tech this year with Brent Pry, or is it more the quality of teams they played at home, Wake Forest and Pitt down years by their standards, Syracuse clearly leaking oil, and then ODU at the beginning of the year, much different than the teams we rattled off like Louisville, Rutgers, and Florida State on the road, who were all bull-bound and have all handily beaten Virginia Tech.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I, I do think, of course, Virginia Tech is going to have to learn how to win on the road. They've only won one game on the road in Brenton Prize era and that was, of course, the Liberty game in your neck of the woods last year. So if Virginia Tech is to reach its goal and go to a bowl game, they're going to have to win on the road because they've got to win two of the last three and two of those games are on the road. They haven't won this year on the road. You know, you go to Rutgers, you kinda of lay a little bit of an egg and didn't play your best football. Obviously the Marshall game was not what you wanted to see. But then Virginia Tech, you know, they began to reinvent the offense with Kyron Drones. They go to Florida State and of course the first quarter wasn't what you wanted to see. But from the second quarter on, you know, they played pretty even with the Seminoles the rest of the way. And and you know, since then, of course they play better football. They come back to lane, they took down Wake and, and Syracuse. But I think that next step beyond beating the, the bad teams per se in the ACC was taking your show on the road and going to win on the road. And um, obviously that did not go well in Louisville, Kentucky this past weekend. So they're going to have to learn how to win on the road. Yes, like, like I said, I mean, they, they are having trouble beating the top-tier teams in the ACC. They've taken a step up by beating the bad teams, the teams they're supposed to be, But at the same time, the next step is taking the show on the road and winning away from home for sure.
0: Carter Hill. TechSideline.com making his maiden debut for us today here in Covering the Commonwealth. Uh, another Professor Bill Roth product. Yes, we call him Professor Bill Roth, or at least we make Trey call him <laughs> Professor Bill Roth. Even though it gets under Professor Roth's skin, we do that more as a uh, you know, a Trey thing here in the fast lane. Happy Any- belated birthday. His birthday was this past weekend. Yes, happy belated birthday to your guy, the professor to you, Trey, just Bill Roth to most of us in the regular world. Um, Meanwhile, pivoting away from football, the Virginia Tech basketball, the Lady Oakies, Uh I guess we could say glad to see they're picking back up where they started. They are rolling through high point in the early going of their uh, season opener tonight where they raised the Final Four banner in the Castle. A lot to a little, just summer.
1: Yes, a lot to a little. I came down here um, on the second floor of Castle Coliseum right now. I came down at the end of the first quarter and Virginia Tech was winning 38 to 15 so they put up 38 points in the first 10 minutes of play so they're clearly on pace to score over 100 or more um we'll see if that happens the women are going to be really really good again this year there's no doubt about that it it, it's just going to be I think the intriguing thing is seeing how long it's going to take for the new girls to gel per se you know you bring back the Liz Kitleys of the world the Georgia Amors the Kayla Kings but what about the Rose Mishaws of Minnesota and Matilda X of Michigan State and Olivia Samuel of Wake Forest along with some true freshmen and Carly Wenzel who redshirted last year. Kenny Brooks has talked about throughout the offseason this may be the deepest team and it is the deepest team that he's had at Virginia Tech. The Hokies potentially could go nine deep when I came down here. They had already played ten with Karis Baker, uh Suffram and um, Claire Strack as well. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I think it's just going to you know, take some time to see how those new girls mesh together. Of course, with Iowa this weekend, um, they're going to have to mesh pretty quickly for the Hokies to take down the Hawkeyes. But you know, you're playing the long game here, so they're they're fun to watch. They're going to be fun to watch, and I'm excited to see how they draw the next few weeks for sure.
0: Indeed, in a rude awakening, perhaps coming this coming Thursday when they go to Charlotte to battle Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Lady Hawkeyes. Um, how much do you have your eye on that? Not just for Virginia Tech Lady Hokies basketball. They are up at the end of the first quarter on high point, 38 to. 15 44 24 four minutes left in the second quarter but the men as well they battle coppin state tonight what would many many would believe to be is a lopsided performance that our listeners will hear on the cbs sports radio lynchburg app in just a little bit how much are you really eyeing what happens later this week when the men's team gets south carolina a day after the lady okies battle iowa Yeah,
1: that'll be a fun one, too. I think those are two games in particular that Virginia Tech has a shot to win. I think Iowa for the women will be a little bit tougher than South Carolina for the men, but like Virginia Tech women's basketball, the men are going to have a shot to be a pretty good team as well. I mean, I think they're going to be hovering around the bubble throughout the year. You are returning your heavy hitters, per se, like the women, like Hunter Couture and Sean Padula, but then you're also, you know, you're mixing in some new guys as well, and I'm really Really curious because it's no secret the Hokies aren't going to have any trouble with the mighty Coffin State Eagles tonight under our first year head coach. So I am really looking forward to seeing how the new guys gel for the men. You know, your Robbie Barons of the world coming from Northwestern. He's going to play quite a bit of the four. So Lynn Kidd, how is he going to take on that elevated role in the five? He has taken a step up every single year he's been at Virginia Tech, and I'm excited to see what he does this year as well. And then how about Elijah Petit off the bench? How about Makai Long off the bench, the transfer from ODU? He's probably going to be your sixth man. And then Tyler Nickel. And then on top of that, you have two true freshmen who are probably going to play a role in Jaden Young and. Uh, Brandon Ruxton, so, yeah. That's one of those things. It, it, it's kind of a similar answer for both, but the, the the thing I'm looking forward to most is seeing how the new guys gel in and, and how deep both teams can go. But that South Carolina matchup is very intriguing because I think there is going to be a lot of Hokies at the Spectrum Center, of course, with a lot of alums in the Charlotte area. I think that's a game Virginia Tech should win early on. And gives us an opportunity to see a glance at what the Hokies can look like the rest of the
0: way. Carter Hill, TechSideline.com with us in the Fast Lane. Carter, thank you for your time. It was great for us to connect with you for the first of hopefully many more times. Absolutely. Great catching up. Have a great rest of the show. You as well. Carter Hill, TechSideline.com with us in the Fast Lane. Now to the Liberty Plan. It's back! basketball season, that is, for the Liberty Flames. Nick Pierce, Liberty Flames Sports Network, joining us in the fast lane. Nick, we will start with the exciting news for Liberty, and that is the basketball season beginning this evening. Uh, Mid-Atlantic Christian, not necessarily the most household name. That will change, uh, including Charlotte later this week for Liberty when they get ready to battle the 49ers. But for Liberty basketball, how anxious are you to see the new product in the post-Darius McGee era to get a feel for, at least early, what this team might be
2: yeah thanks ed i'm actually uh, on my way over to the arena tonight gotta make a little quick stop over here in god's kitchen first get a little chick-fil-a before we get to the arena but uh, <laughs> pretty excited pretty excited to watch this group play here tonight with um you know like you said the post Darius mcgee era and kind of seeing how they piece things together on offense i think and i asked richie mckay this earlier this week is will, will this team kind of take on the identity of that in the 2019 season where they made that run to the NCAA tournament and I think you were there too and you remember it was it was never one particular score in the tournament it was Caleb Holmesley who went unconscious for one game against uh, Mississippi State where he dropped 30 but it could be anyone on a given night and I think that's what you're going to kind of see out of this team remember this team does return four of its top five scores and I think five out of its top seven so it's not like the cupboards bear, you, but you do lose arguably the greatest player in the history of your program and your all-time leading scorer, so that always gives you some pause. But, yeah, to your point, I'm I'm really anxious to see how they all function together. You're right. It's not going to be the stiffest test here tonight, but maybe that's a good thing. You treat this almost like an exhibition and uh, just kind of get your feet wet a little bit before, like you said, you can start to get into the, the teeth of the schedule a little bit.
0: Yeah, that picks up a little bit later this week for men's basketball. Meanwhile, for football, Liberty gets the win against... Louisiana Tech this past week. Let's start with the positive. How reassuring is it for Coach Chadwell and this team and the fans that even when there are, uh, should we say, moments that may upset Jamie Chadwell, which he documented after the game, they have a clear bread-and-butter identity that Quentin Cooley in the run game can be the great stabilizer as it was this past Saturday.
2: Well, I think, you know, you talk about the positives. The first thing I looked at was just the balance from that offense. That's as balanced as you will see. 297 yards passing, 305 yards rushing, 602 total. And then you look at point distribution quarter by quarter. 14 points in the first quarter, 14 points in the second quarter, 14 in the third, 14 in the fourth. I mean, that's steadily getting it done the entire game, minus the one turnover on the, the exchange between Salter and Cooley early in the ballgame, which really didn't end up meaning a whole bunch of, of a hill of beans when, when you look at what the offense was ready to for, uh, able to do for the rest of the night. But I think that's kind of the... The thing that's reassuring to me is the fact that you've got a lot of different guys out there that can go make plays and oh by the way they still rush for 305 when losing Philly Lucas their number two tailback midway through the game we'll have to see uh, this week how he responds to treatment if he's going to be on any time you know any long term situation but yeah Cooley has been a monster this year we know what Caden Salter's done uh, defensively certainly they left a little bit to be desired out there as the game went on maybe got a little bit better they got a fourth down stop in the fourth quarter which kind of gave him some juice got to clean up the penalties though 10 penalties as coach Jabwell said way too many that's going to get you beat against some good teams
0: you mentioned that and we'll wrap it up with the idea of the penalties jamie Jabwell opened his press conference unsolicited just being extremely frustrated with that how much of that is a bigger picture deal where he is trying to hold this team to a standard of where they can get which as great as they played he sees a different level
2: I think it is, and I think that's something that most coaches will tell you that they try to do throughout the course of the season. You never want your team to feel like it's arrived. You never want your team to feel like it's peaking and that uh, that they've reached the standard until the end of the year. Um, I think the great coaches always find something for their teams to chase, even at 9-0. and um, I think that uh, that's... You know, part of what the, the motivating factor is there for Chadwell, but also he's right. I mean, 10 penalties, that's that's way too many on a given night. Uh, I agree with his assessment. I thought some guys started to kind of get outside of themselves, particularly on the defensive side. Uh, the blow to the head of the quarterback with Tyron Dupree there in the second half. He got lucky that that wasn't a targeting call. Uh, this guy's trying to do a little bit too much, getting outside themselves. And, you know, hopefully they'll get that cleaned up in practice here this week before they take on an old Dominion team that, you know quite honestly when you look at the remainder of this schedule old dominion may hold the uh, the biggest threat for this team uh despite the fact that i think they're four and five losing record but they played james madison to three points not too long ago so and they've got some athletes and some guys on the defensive side of the ball that can stop the run so we'll see how the planes hold up here this week and we'll see how they get things cleaned up uh defensively
0: we will see all that and see you this coming saturday over at williams stadium nick thank you for your time today in the fast lane
2: as always, it's a pleasure, Ed. Nick Pierce
0: with us here. And a reminder, of course, InsaneRadioDeals.com. Two tickets for twenty two twenty two for either of the remaining regular season-owned football games for Liberty University. When we return, part two of covering the Commonwealth. The Dukes, NASCAR, and the Commanders. All still to come on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.